Please rise for the reading of 1 through 4 and then Exodus 20, verse 12. Hear now God's word. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may, be, and you may live long on the earth. And you, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but... Bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. And this is citing uh, Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, which says, Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. And thus far the reading of God's word and all God's people said. Amen. And you may be seated. We have taken up this passage before, the commandment for children to honor and obey their parents, and we're going to continue that today. Uh, it seems appropriate that here we are on Father's Day, and uh, the text uh, happens to land uh, here as we honor our fathers. But of course, this text is about honoring father and mother. And just a, a little word of encouragement at the beginning I received an email last night, as, as I'm sure many of you will receive phone calls or emails or cards today from your children. I uh, received this one from my daughter in California, and uh, at the risk of sounding uh, boastful, uh, I, I wanted to read it because I think it's encouraging, and I think it's the kind of thing many of you have heard from your children as they get older. We hear these kind of things, uh, and it's very encouraging. She just said, you're a wonderful dad. I'm so thankful for your love and for providing a safe and loving environment for me to grow up in. The older I get, the more I learn that our stable family is not the norm. I'm thankful for you and all your work over the years to provide for us. Thank you for the time you took to teach us the Word of God and to put it into action. What you've done is invaluable. And again, I know that could be said to many of you as well, and that some of you are right in the thick of that, in the middle of that right now. So keep it up. It pays off uh, as we do see the perpetuation of stable, godly families. Well, this commandment, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother. Is, um, uh, it, it is uh, a broad commandment. Uh, it, it is foundational for all of life. It's not just an isolated thing. It's not just something that is helpful and convenient to have to remind your children of when you're trying to get them to clean up their room. It's good for that too. But it has a much, much broader application. Young people, children, parents, uh, your future hinges on this. Your future happiness hinges on this. If we think about the Ten Commandments... All covetousness and false witness, adulteries and murders and thieves and Sabbath breaking and blasphemous behavior and idolatry, the worshiping of false gods, they all started with disobedience to parents at the very beginning. Moreover, the fifth commandment is a commandment that's addressed to all the children of the world, all human beings. All times and all places, even adult children. It does, it does have a direct application to young children in the home, but it also has a direct application to children who have grown up, who have established their own households. 
In other words, it's a commandment for all of us. Paul, again, is quoting from Exodus 20:12, in which God says, For those who honor father and mother, who obey father and mother, they will be, have a blessing in the land. And he now takes this commandment and he applies it to, that was applied to Israel, and he applies it to the international church, and he expands the promise. It's not just the land, it's not just the promised land where, you, where blessings will flow, but Paul now inserts the word, the entire earth. It's not just the blessings to this one nation, to this locale, but in fact, blessings will flow to the whole earth. As I mentioned last week, this was anticipated by the prophet Malachi in the close of the Old Testament. Remember the law of Moses. Remember the law of Moses, of course, uh, summarized in the Ten Commandments. And there right in the middle is, children, obey your parents. Remember the law of Moses, my servant, which I commanded him in Horeb for all Israel with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming and great day. Uh, coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the land with a curse. Among other things, John the Baptist and Christ came in order to bring obedience to the fifth commandment. When children don't honor their parents, and when parents don't have the hearts of their children turned toward them and toward God, then the whole world falls apart. Of course, we all have a father and a mother. And everyone has a certain relationship required toward their father and mother, and God has told us precisely what that is. And it's more than sending them a Mother's Day or a Father's Day card once a year. When God gave this commandment, and when the Apostle repeats it in Ephesians chapter 6, it is in the context of imperfect parents, and that may be putting it mildly. God knows that parents fall short. He knows that some of them, in fact, are very sinful and fall very short. And yet the command that's given is not contingent upon that. There are boundaries, as we'll see. But the call to honor parents is there even in the case of parents who fall far short. Our duty, is to honor, our duty to honor transcends the fact that our parents are flawed and sinful. Husbands are to love imperfect wives. Wives are to respect imperfect husbands. And so too children are to honor parents who fall short. And so when you say of your parents or any legitimate authority, I don't want to do this, the thing they want me to do because I think it's stupid, or I think they're hypocritical, or I don't think they're fair, then you've forgotten what the Bible says to you. For there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God. And those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. In other words, when you don't do what God says to do here then bad things are going to happen in your life. Judgments are going to come. Things are going to fall apart. You're going to wonder, why? Why, why is all this happening to me? And, and so often people don't make a connection. But here we're told directly that we can expect either blessing or misery 
based upon whether we learn to do what God has called us to do. And as we consider what God requires of all the children in regard, uh, with respect to his law, we must keep our feet firmly planted in the grace of God in Jesus Christ and rely upon the Holy Spirit who enables us. Parents and children, we're called to follow Jesus first. Jesus said, he who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. When we love him first, then we will actually love our parents, and we will actually love our children the way we should. And so our first obligation is to know what his will is for us in our various positions. If you're a child, if you're a parent... If you're an adult child with adult parents, you need to know what your position is. You need to know what God requires of you in that position. And now comes the hard part, following Jesus. Not my will, but your will. Where you lead, I'll go. I want to do what pleases the Lord. We're already told that when children obey their parents, it pleases the Lord. And so... Of course, we cannot absolutize any human authority. That would be idolatry. But we honor father and mother because God vested them with authority. In in themselves, they have no more authority than anyone else. They may have a certain power over us because they're bigger or older or stronger. They've got the purse strings. They have certain controls. But as soon as we can outmaneuver them, we could dominate them. And eventually that in most cases, will happen. But just as parental authority comes from God, so too we honor them because this is what God requires of us, and we certainly are called to honor God. This has practical ramifications on what we say and do. So there are, just to make clear, exceptions. For example, in Matthew 10, when Jesus speaks of a person being set against his father or mother... He's not speaking of a situation where somebody's just unhappy with their mother or father and they're angry or bitter, but rather the kind of separation that occurs when someone is rejected because of their love for Christ. In some places in the world, Christian baptism might result in someone being cut off from their family or even disowned. So be certain that there is a righteous reason for ex- before excusing yourself. And, of course, you must always obey God first. In uh, 1 Kings 22, verses 51 through 53, um, Ahaziah, the son of Ahab, became king over Israel and Samaria in the 17th year of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, and reigned two years over Israel. He did evil in the sight of the Lord and walked in the ways of his father and in the way of his mother and in the way of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who had made Israel sin. For he served Baal and worshipped him and provoked the Lord God of Israel to anger according to all that his father had done. So here is a wicked king, and he was a wicked king because he honored his father and his mother. He was not obeying the fifth commandment. We can imitate our parents' sins, which we're not supposed to do. 
And so he should have honored his father and his mother the way God requires, but of course that doesn't mean following them in their rebellion and sin. So again, there are boundaries. Parents are over you, under God, and you respect them in that position. There might be times when a godly son or daughter has to say to a parent, I would like to honor you, I would like to obey you, but I can't do that and be faithful to Christ. So now we have our priorities straight. Let's consider, with that one exception to the side, the duties involved in honoring your parents. Obedience to the fifth commandment is not a small thing. First, it's placed in the Ten Commandments. It's a foundational requirement. And it's the first in the second table of the law, which deal, begins to deal with loving our neighbors. The first table of the law, the first four commandments, deal with loving God. And now in the Ten Commandments, it turns to begin to talk about how to love our neighbor. And it starts with children and parents. It is essential to a peaceful society. The parent-child relationship is the fundamental relationship in all your relationships. It will affect how you relate to your husband or wife. It will affect how you relate to your children. Last Sunday, I cited the passage from 2 Timothy that describes societal breakdown. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, Unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. Right there in the middle. The sin of disobeying your parents in this awful list. But we're prone to think that it's really not that big a deal. But Paul says it fits right in there with all the others. A household where the children blow off what mom or dad says is a rebellious household. Violation of the fifth commandment is right up there with the rest of them and God treats it in the same way it offends him. So when your children are disobedient, even the little ones, part of what you should be teaching them is not only does this, I'm not going to, I'm not going to discipline you because I'm mad. I'm not going to discipline you out of personal revenge, but my discipline for you is because I love you and because God requires that we honor him and the way you honor him is by honoring me. Not just in what you do, but in what you say, in the way you roll or don't roll your eyes or stomp your foot, or poke out your lip. All of those are indications of a heart that is in rebellion against God. And we're here to love you and help shape your heart for God. It offends God when little children do it. And it offends Him when they're 18 too. Now, I know that I am repeating myself from last week, but this is really important for it to soak in. 
This applies, what I'm about to read from the Westminster Larger Catechism applies to everyone in authority. Not just your parents. The way the Bible works is, this is true for your parents and their authority. We're going to see the principles apply to everyone who has legitimate authority over you. What is the honor that inferiors owe to their superiors, to those who occupy a superior position over you, whoever they are? Now, I want to read both of these answers, questions and answers again. What is the honor that is due to superiors? The honor which inferiors owe to their superiors is all due reverence in heart. That's attitude. Word. And behavior. Prayer. You pray in for your parents. Pray in for your teachers. Pray in for your pastor. And thanksgiving for them. Imitation of their virtues and graces. Willing obedience to their lawful commands and counsels. Due submission to their corrections. Fidelity to or faithfulness to defense and maintenance of their persons and authority. According to their several ranks and the nature of their places. Bearing with their infirmities or shortcomings and covering them in love so that they may be an honor to them and to their government. In other words, so that you will be an honor to your parents and to those in authority over you. What are the sins of inferiors against their superiors? The sins of inferiors against their superiors are all neglect of all the duties required. Envying at, contempt of, and rebellion against their persons and places in their lawful counsels, commands, and corrections. Cursing, mocking, and all such refractory and scandalous carriage as proves a shame and a dishonor to them and their government. That is the, these are the central things that ought to be of concern to you. God is watching that in you. And so today what I want to do is look at a few passages and list. I have here nine duties of children toward their parents. And again, by implication to other authorities. First, children must be good students of their father and their mother. Proverbs 1, 8 and 9, My son, hear the instruction of your father, and do not forsake the law of your mother, for they will be a graceful ornament on your head and chains about your neck. God intends to teach me about the world and about his word, and about what I am to do through my father and my mother. I am to listen to them. I am to be attentive. I am to be engaged. And of course that means eye contact. Listen, Proverbs 23, 22. Listen to your father who begot you, and do not despise your mother when she is old. And so I must seek the counsel and the advice of my parents. And by the way, this duty never goes away. If you're listening to your mother when she's old, that means you're also older. 
Remember, this commandment has a promise attached to it that you may live long. There's a tangible benefit that comes from honoring your father and mother. Obviously, if it's ungodly advice, you, must, you shouldn't follow it. But as a rule, you must listen to their wisdom. Second, children must seek to genuinely please their parents through wisdom. Proverbs 10.1, the Proverbs of Solomon, a wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is the grief of his mother. Again, Proverbs are all about the wise man and the fool. Read that. Look, go through there. It's, it's, one of the, it's one or the other. Here's what a fool does. Here's what a wise man does. Here's what a fool does. Here's what a wise man does. And as you read those, say, which one am I? Which one describes me? When I, when I do something foolish and I'm corrected, do I welcome that correction? Do I receive that correction? Do I make that correction? Or do I get resentful and bitter and, and stomp my foot and slam my door and go off and pout somewhere? Well, then you're a fool. And then you can keep reading in Proverbs and find out what happens to the fool. And what his life becomes like. And what he looks like when he's 20 and 30 and 50 and if he lives that long. Or look at the wise man. See what happens to him. It is the duty of children to make the hearts of their fathers glad and not to grieve the hearts of their mothers. I think the worst words that I ever heard from my father were son. I'm disappointed in you. You must seek wisdom and avoid folly for the sake of your parents. You represent them. This obligation doesn't disappear when you're grown. And if you wisely raise your children, you will gladden the hearts of grandparents. Other people are involved. Third, children have a duty to honor the God-given responsibilities of the parents. Young men and women, the father is God's ordained chaperone. When you think you know more than your parents, you don't honor them. God holds you and them responsible. And so, for example, when the romantic urge starts to emerge... You better listen, and you better obey. The fifth commandment still applies to you. God gave you these parents, and your parents have been given the responsibility before God for your protection, for your purity, and your honesty before God. Many, many lives have been ruined and harmed because young people, even young adults, refuse to honor their parents in this area of life. It would also apply to things like education, career, and alcohol. And I would suggest, before you go get that tattoo, you check in with your mom and dad and see what they think. Tattoos last a long time. Go ahead and get some advice from someone who may be a bit wiser. Have some input there. Number four. Is that number four? Yes, number four. Children must respect the property of their parents. 
Proverbs 28:24. Whoever robs his father or his mother and says it's no transgression, the same is a companion to a destroyer. Obviously, you can pilfer from your mother's purse, or you can't. I should say you can't pilfer from your mother's purse or your father's wallet. You can't just help yourself. But most people know that overtly stealing from parents is wrong. But there are more subtle ways of doing it. You could borrow from them and treat the repayment obligation lightly. Another way is if parents employ you and you're not diligently pursuing that work. Oh, it's just mom and dad. It's no big deal. If you were working for somebody else and you were mowing the yard or sweeping the walk or whatever, you might do a good job. But when it's mom and dad, you're sloppy and lazy and don't do the, don't do the work. That's stealing. And if you're a student and your parents are paying for your curriculum or tuition to have you educated so you won't be an ignoramus the rest of your life, and you're not diligent in your studies, then you are robbing your father and your mother and you are not honoring them. Number five, children have a duty to bless and not curse their parents. Proverbs 30.11, there is a generation that curses its father and does not bless its mother. Honor is not limited to our hearts. It also must be shown externally. Children must bless their parents publicly. Exodus 21.17, and he who curses his father or mother shall surely be put to death. Boy, if that's not an attention grabber. Now, if you think that this law is too hard, since we are now in the New Covenant and we're under grace, then consider the fact that the Lord Jesus quoted this very law without apology or embarrassment. And he said to them in Mark chapter 7, verses 9 through 10, to the Pharisees, All too well you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your tradition. For Moses said, Honor your father and your mother, and he who curses father or mother, let him be put to death. Jesus quotes both of those approvingly. And so when you murmur under your breath at your parents, or when you think evil thoughts toward them, or speak against them to your friends, you are cursing rather than blessing your parents. Number six, children have a duty to revere their parents. Leviticus 19, 1-3, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to all the congregation of the children of Israel, and say to them, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Every one of you shall revere or fear his mother and his father, and keep my Sabbaths. I am the Lord your God. Proverbs 30:17 The eye get it the eye just the look in the eye the eye that mocks his father and scorns obedience to his mother the ravens of the valley will pick it out and the young eagles will eat it how dare the bible speak to children that way god will judge those who dishonor their parents And the world is filled with evidence of that judgment. Deuteronomy 27.16 Cursed is the one who treats his father or his mother with contempt. 
Now, sometimes we, I want you to think about when the Bible uses words like cursed or judgment, sometimes we have these images of maybe some dramatic thing falling out of the sky. But that's not usually how curses and judgments arrive. Oftentimes people are right in the middle of a judgment and a curse and don't even realize it. Their life is a mess. Their marriage is a mess. Their kids are a mess. Everything's falling apart, and it all started back there when they were holding their parents in contempt. And now this is just the fruit. This is just what happens. It just, it unfolds. And so, it doesn't matter how tall or how strong you are. When your father or your mother says jump, you should ask how high on the way up. You fear them because you fear God. And when a child rebels in attitude, word, or deed against any legitimate command of a parent, that child is revealing his sin nature, and it's an expression of rebellion against God. And this is why godly parents, like God, chasten those that they love. When children are little and they even think about disobeying their mother, by the way, they should have... Uh, have to calculate into their contemplation of rebellion having to deal with dad. The shadow of dad should always be looming behind mom. And I don't mean, of course, an abusive, tyrannical dad. I'm talking about a godly, insistent dad. And behind dad is the looming shadow of God lest he smite the land with a curse. Number seven. Parents, you're going to like this one. Children must repay their parents. 1 Timothy 5, 3-4 Honor widows who are really widows, but if any widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show piety at home and to repay their parents... For this is good and acceptable before God. It is the family's responsibility to provide for the welfare of their parents. That's not the government's job. We have a counterbalance in 2 Corinthians 12.14. Now for the third time, I'm ready to come to you and I will not be burdensome to you. For I do not seek yours but you. For the children ought not to lay up for the parents, but the parents for the children. Of course, in the right order. When children are little, when children are young, parents provide for the children. But then as the parents grow older, it is the job of children to honor their parents by caring for them, providing for them. And we have many commendable examples of that in our own congregation. So parents must care for their children, then children must care for their parents. And by the way, neither job is easy. Amen? Both jobs are necessary. Number eight, children must obey their parents. That's to honor, isn't just to have a good attitude or to say yes sir and yes ma'am. It's to obey. Colossians 3.20 Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Notice that this obedience is in all things. 
Delayed obedience is disobedience. Obedience is the evidence of love. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And since your parents are appointed by God to represent him in your life, obedience to your parents is obedience to Jesus. So you get to love your parents and Jesus at the same time. Through obedience. And number nine, children must never strike their parents. Exodus 21.15, And he who strikes his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. God takes this very seriously. It is not cute for a three-year-old to hit their mother. It's a lot more like blasphemy. And if it's tolerated, then horrible things are going to happen in that family. And if it's tolerated on a large scale, then horrible things are going to happen in a nation where that's permitted. Everything is riding here. Now, the gospel does what? Gospel turns the hearts of fathers to their children. We love our children. We want their good. We we're out to seek their good. We're not. It changes beast into into loving, godly men. It takes tyrants and selfish, immature men and turns them into godly, sacrificial leaders for their household. And they began to look at their children with great... And that's what the gospel did when it came into the world. It, it, that's one of the things that changed the most was children and women began to be elevated in value and worth. They weren't thrown away. we got a world right now. If you just look at the, the, the latest news, right? What, if you've seen the news in the last few days, we've got some of our usual hypocritical politicians screaming about children being separated from their parents, parents who are breaking the law, and they are temporarily being separated and put in facilities where, of course, uh, our benevolent government will not only provide food and shelter and what also Xboxes. And we have politicians screaming about that, but don't give a rip about ripping babies out of their mother's wombs and throwing them in the trash. That's the world we live in. We, God's people, Christians, we have an opportunity to show the world the love of Jesus Christ, especially as we love our children and as our children love us in response. We love God because he first loved us. And to demonstrate what beauty a godly home looks like. This, in fact, I can't think of any place more powerful to show the gospel than at your house. So let us take these to heart. There's so much more to be said here. But this is, is right at the top of the list of what we're called to do and be. Remember? This, John the Baptist was going to call men to repent, and to turn their hearts to their children. That was the work of, as Jesus came. And that's what we're carrying out now in his behalf, on his behalf in the world. Father.
We confess that we are all disobedient children in need of your love and discipline. Teach us to love you by learning to love and honor our earthly parents and all those whom you have placed in authority over us. May we keep your commandments by keeping the commandments of our parents. And Lord, help us to do so joyfully, for such obedience and honor is not only for our good, but also for your glory and for the good of the world. Amen. John 15, verses 1 through 11, Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch, and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words, my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit so that you will be my disciple. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. Husbands represent Christ. Wives represent the church. Human marriage is to represent the relationship between Christ and and his church. Children also represent Jesus. And as he was an obedient son who loved, honored, and obeyed his father, so too we demonstrate Christ when we do the same toward our fathers and mothers. And so we come now to our father's table to be fed by him to remember the example of the obedient son. Obedient unto death, that we might walk out of these doors, go to our house, and follow him. This is the place, this place of obedience. This is the place of joy. Joy for Christ and joy for us. And lest, you know, it's so easy to, to be misunderstood or to hear things wrong. When I say obedience... It's not obedience that makes us right with God. It's not obedience that we're doing uh, that in and of itself commends us to God. But it's faith. It's trusting God. It's believing what God said. And if we believe what he said, then of course we're going to do what he says. Obedience is the evidence of faith, not the cause of faith. Faith is what makes us right with God, trusting him. That's what he wants. That's what he calls for. And so as we believe him, the evidence that we've believed him is obedience. So today we come to renew our faith, to remember his promises, to remember his commandments, to remember that he loves us, and to remember that as we follow him, he showers us with blessings. Let us come and remember. O Lord, make us zealous for what is right. 
Give us the desire and the power to stand for truth and to live the truth regardless of the consequences. Give us the willingness to suffer for righteousness' sake if it is necessary. And we know that inevitably it will become necessary. Give us the intellectual knowledge and ability to make a proclamation of the gospel and a defense of the faith. But even more, give us the preparation of life to defend the gospel by sanctifying Christ as Lord in our hearts and over all of life. Give us opportunities to account for the hope that is in us today and boldness to seize the opportunities with gentleness and reverence. Let our speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that we may know how we ought to answer each one. Indeed, make us salt and light in a corrupt and dark world. Bless now this Lord's Day, our rest and our delight. Bless our food and our fellowship, and bless our service to your kingdom. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. But let all those rejoice who put their trust in you. Let them forever shout for joy because you defend them. Let those who, who love, you, love your name be joyful in you. For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous. With favor you will surround him as with a shield. Amen.